0: Okay, so welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast and I'm Christine Backus. and I am super excited to have Belinda Noakes with me today. We are um, we're going to be talking about uh, some very interesting healing modalities and some very interesting topics in just a minute or so. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to the people who support the podcast either on directly on Anchor FM. or excuse me, or as my patrons. And uh, I very much appreciate that support. And you can, anybody that wants to can support it. And you can always just support it by listening and sharing. So with that, um, we are, Belinda and I, I'm just going to start with a little intro. Um, Belinda and I have known each other for seven years, eight years now. We met at a retreat in 2014, we actually share a little bit of history, um, very similar history. Belinda left a corporate IT business career about the same time I left my corporate world career. And in fact, we both ended up going to India um, on our spiritual paths and our spiritual studies. I don't know if it was exactly the same time, but similar timing. Um, And then we met up at this soul fire retreat and, um, and then our paths have stayed parallel since then, uh, just in different modalities. Um, Belinda found a couple of healing modalities that she uses today that she's going to talk about um, that are pretty fascinating and very powerful. Um, I've got some personal stories that I can share if there's a moment to do it, but we'll have her talk about them. She also, I just pulled this from your bio, the sci-fi enthusiast, sci-fi and fantasy enthusiast, especially as it relates to what's going on in the world today. Imagine you might have some stories about that. And then the way I'd say that I describe your work, um, and you obviously will, will have a much better way of describing it, but I would call it energy healing, but using the frequency of spoken language. And I know you've had very powerful results with people and certainly um, me included. So we'll get to stories about that. But I wanted to just start, let me start first by asking you, do you have anything that you want to add to that introduction? Do you want to, do you want to actually fill in some of the gaps that I left?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I guess the only thing really to to say in terms of other things that we have in common is that we both left our corporate careers because we were to some extent burned out yeah and so so we've both been on this journey of recovery I call my I call mine recovery of Physical, mental, emotional health, and soul retrieval. (laughs) For uh, where are we at? Is it eleven years? Are we going into year twelve? Is that what's going on? Yeah, that's
0: about right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the you know I, I I started doing my my first experience of any kind of inner work was with a fairly conventional psychologist, right, who I saw for 18 months um, pretty regularly when I was uh, about 15 years ago. I started to see her Um, and uh, I got to a point where I just felt like I'd gotten what I could get from that relationship and it, I, I had a semi-intuition was not working very well at that point. But I'm going to say I had an intuitive sense that there was, <laughs> there was some other stuff that we weren't getting to. <laughs> um, and so, so I just started looking for other things, totally to try and heal myself. You know, and, oh, go ahead. Well, what? and as I did that, I, I found it fascinating and realized that I had some, some skills and some, you know, whether we call them kind of natural gifts or abilities that lend themselves to facilitating that kind of work for other people.
0: Yes, definitely. I would, yeah, definitely. But I, you know, as as you were saying that, I thought, you know, one of the questions that people might have is, why is it that corporate life was so unhealthy for us why did we come out of that environment needing to do so much healing work
1: yeah so i'm going to i'm going to speak only for myself you know i'm certainly not speaking for you or anybody else um i was wired for Um, hyper I was perpetually anxious constantly anxious and wired for hypervigilance um, from the very beginning of um, this lifetime and uh, (laughs) anxiety was such a such a constant state for me that I didn't even realize that I had this thing that other people call anxiety yeah Um, and so you know, a lot a lot of really deeply held beliefs, again, so deeply held that they were unconscious, like I absolutely wasn't aware, <clears throat> that I believed that the world isn't safe and that my body's not a safe place to live in. <laughs> and um uh and that not just that the world's not safe, but that the world is dangerous and other people are dangerous. And so as most of us as we know our beliefs are powerful more powerful than we realize and they have a way of creating shaping molding our reality so I went and got myself a job at a in a multinational corporation with an intensely competitive ruthlessly competitive at that time internal culture where it literally was dangerous. (laughs) Like other people really were dangerous. Um, You know, we we were not just encouraged, but our financial compensation depended on competing with each other and that included competing with other members of your small team, you know, even like. So that's that has a really weird effect on people's behaviour and it's, and it doesn't cultivate trust. And if you're predisposed to be distrustful, mistrusting of the world and everybody else already, and uh, um, it was hard on my adrenals. <laughs> they were already stressed because you know because I was in fight or flight a lot of the time. But um, for and and the the weird thing for me was that I was seeking safety and security. So I liked, I liked the money. (laughs) And I liked that it was a um, albeit a toxic game, it was a game with rules that I could learn to play and actually get quite good at. And then there was a certain sense of security that came from understanding the rules of the game and knowing how to sort of survive within it. And um, so, so there was, You know, that kept me in for 10 years. But at the same time, I mean, I just hated it. It felt so wrong for me and the world. And so it was like having one foot flat to the floor on the accelerator and the other foot hard on the brake at the same time for 10 years. Like so much internal tension, so much cognitive dissonance that I had to live with. And, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't have particularly good tools for, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't even aware of all of that for most of the time that I was there. Mm. It was only in the last few years that I started to become aware of any of those dynamics and realized that if I didn't get out, it was probably going to kill me.
0: I think for me, it's not that different. I don't know. Well, I think our culture is wired to be anxious and to promote anxiety. Um, And it's because we're always so overstimulated and we're always in that fear mode that keeps us running. So I think that's not universal, but common maybe is the right way to put it. And for me, it wasn't until I I started yoga, um, started taking yoga and then eventually teaching yoga that somehow that started to wake me up. So I I just wanted to go down and explore that road a little bit, because I think a lot of people can relate to it, maybe especially women, but I think men too, um, because we, for whatever reason, at least our experience is that we've built this um, business culture that keeps people in anxiety and competition and out of balance. There's no balance. So... Interesting. Thank you for sharing that, because I think it's really relevant to the kind of healing work that you do and what we're all about tonight.
1: Yeah, I I put it this way. I certainly I, I do get quite a lot of people showing up to work with me. You know, not that I explicitly ask for this person with this kind of background, but I I do. I do get quite a lot of people who either learn about it somehow and are drawn to that. You know, people who are making some kind of a transition, or who in the past have made some kind of a transition. Out of. I mean, I I really, I really see it as different worlds, yeah, and. Um, my experience, it's its different now, I think. You know, 10, 12 years ago, we were, I think you and I were sort of reasonably early in what is this year being called the Great Resignation, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's really starting to kind of pick up steam now. Like a lot more people are suddenly... Um, very disillusioned and and have really kind of hit a wall with their you know um, mainstream what do you want to call it mainstream corporate sort of matrix job right <laughs> um and just a lot of uh, people are for whatever reasons less willing or less able to tolerate what they have been able to tolerate or willing to tolerate uh, in the past 10 or 12 years ago there weren't so many bridges between that, that 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 world and the new life, right there, which which uh, led to me fumbling around in the dark for many years. <laughs> <I> <laughs> build my you. own bridge.
0: Right <laughs> here with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and wouldn't you say? I, I mean, again, you know, knowing how. Parallel our journeys are. Um, wouldn't you say that part of the turning point for both of us, for you, and I'm not going to speak for you, but wouldn't you say part of this, the turning point was like pulling back your autonomy and your sovereignty inside rather than the way we've been taught, which is to um, live based on outer. The outer call you know the outer experts and the outer expectations and for me at least i think the soul fire retreat with sarah beak was a major turning point
1: yeah and that was for me that was four four years after after i left my corporate career the um Yes, that was definitely a turning point. The way I would frame it is that when I went to work for Microsoft, I was just going with the flow, right? Like I I didn't have an intention to go and get a big corporate job with a big multinational, right? It just kind of fell in my lap, and and i and i thought it was an interesting opportunity and i so i pursued it and i thought i might go for a couple of years and i ended up staying for 10 right but it wasn't i didn't i wasn't following the flow out of any kind of sense of you know surrender to life or even cooperation with life right like <laughs> i was i I saw, I mean, a lot of the time I was, I had a pretty victim-y perspective on my own agency. So just to put that in regular language, I was not in charge of my life. Mm -hmm. I did not see myself as able to be in charge of my life. And i mean that's that's the ongoing that's the ongoing challenge right is like every every day a new a new and different level or extent of ta- you know taking responsibility for myself and this life that i'm living and the state of my life and how i get to influence that through the choices that i make
0: yeah i love that though because that's really i mean that's yes i mean that's what this is all about right that's what reclaim your natural wisdom means is reclaiming that responsibility and agency over our own lives but of course doing it in cooperation with life as you put it in cooperation with the natural flow of things
1: so yeah <laughs> go ahead. No, go. Ahead. If you well, <laughs> it was particularly pronounced for me. I suspect because because I was in the tech industry. Um, you know this this technology driven. I'm going to describe it as kind of technocratic culture that we find ourselves in in the West. is not the friend of personal sovereignty and responsibility, (laughs) people taking responsibility for themselves. You know, uh, technocratic culture is actually all about fear-based control. Um, And, you know, it's certainly spending so long immersed in one of the companies that was building a lot of the infrastructure for that culture um, provided me with some very interesting and what has proven to be useful contrast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That made me go about five different directions, but um, that whole idea of a fear matrix I want to spend time on that, but before we get to that, I think I'd like you to talk a little bit about these healing modalities that you do because they're so, um, they just seem so perfectly uh, targeted or able to be perfectly targeted towards uh, you've said it a couple of times, like releasing those unconscious programs and assumptions and beliefs that keep us stuck in acting out of fear and keep yeah. us stuck in um responding to what somebody else thinks we should be doing instead of being able to follow our own um whatever you want to call it our own impetus our own agency our own abilities to 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 live you know live the way that me, we were meant to live here
1: yeah <clears throat> So what I find personally most fascinating and most powerful in the, in the whole kind of realm of personal development is the alchemical work, right, the, the, and, and, the, and the work that has the effect of turning one flavour of energy into a different flavour of energy. Yeah. So, so this is about the ability to change our state from something that we uh, would prefer not to experience to something that we would like to experience. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can change state, and there are all kinds of tools that you can use to to alchemize and transform and transmute energies. Um, Partly because of my kind of personality composition, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, because I, I interpret the world first and foremost by thinking about it. <laughs> um, you know, the, I, I'm, I mean, I love more somatic work, but it's, it's kind of not my first home and, and, and therefore I'm not particularly well suited to doing somatic work with other people. I love receiving it, but uh, you know, some of the things that I enjoy and that I'm good at are seeing patterns. You know, I'm, I'm observant, and um, and I have I have cultivated an ability over time, a, a much more of an ability than I had in the past, to allow my mind to be in service to my whole body observation of energy flow rather than just my mind figuring stuff out and that always being what I lead with yeah so so I'm drawn personally to techniques that um that help us to see repeating patterns (laughs) um and and release them and to um to tools and techniques that help us to make what has been invisible and unconscious uh, visible and for us to become consciously aware of it. Cause I love that process of helping the mind to catch up with what it has been unaware of. Yeah. I, um, so, you know, the, there are a couple of tools that have worked really well for me and that I still use on a daily basis myself. One of them um, uses Oh, uh, one of them uses um, your own heart's ability to generate compassion, which is one of the frequencies of the family of frequencies that we could call love. Yeah, there's a bunch of different flavors that sit in there, and compassion is one of them. And you you generate that from your own heart, and it turns out you can give it to yourself, and that's really really healing when we can witness and acknowledge. Parts or versions or aspects of ourselves that have been wounded or traumatized, um, that is, and and give literally give them compassion, kind of in dialogue with them. Then that's really can be profoundly healing. So it can look like in a child work, um, you know, but you can use it in all kinds of ways. You can you can do. Um, past life i'm using the air quote fingers um <laughs> you can you can you can work with ancestral lineage stuff you can you can actually work with collective consciousness you can work with all sorts of you know you can target specific collective programs um yeah it's 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 super fun um and that's the one that's actually specifically called the
0: compassion keys right it is yeah and it does it does I would say that, you know, my experience of doing it with you, it does kind of feel like they're literal keys that unlock something often. I mean, both of the techniques that I know of yours do that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah. Kind of from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's kind of obvious and dramatic and sometimes it's really, really subtle and, you know, kind of unwinds something slowly over time. Um, but, yes, uh, I have had oh, I had a had a truck driver a few weeks ago have a massive kind of and it was literally like his heart center unlocked mm. in the session and he it was yeah it was very sweet um, So the other tool that I use is called non-personal awareness and it so it plays with, The idea of multiple perspectives. So there are, because we live in this 3D reality that isn't actually a 3D reality, you know, we live with all these paradoxes, right? So my body is mine and it's solid. And at the same time, it's not mine (laughs) and it's not solid because it's made of energy. And so everything that we experience. Um, and everything that we would like to experience at it, it, you know, can exist in 3D reality, can exist as part of our personal experience, and also, at the same time, is energy, and therefore is not solid or stuck, and also is not personal. <laughs> and so it's like part of the mechanism of suffering is that, the personality, our personalities get identified with stuff. It, this is the game of being human is to like see the world and personalise all of it, right? <laughs> um, oh, that's mine. Oh, that's me, yeah? And uh, it is really, really useful to remember that there are actually multiple perspectives on anything that we experience. And over time, you can cultivate a greater ability to hold multiple perspectives and, and we simultaneously, right? So you can be in your human personality, kind of doing your 3D life and actually being quite competent at it, <laughs> while at the same time, at least most days, <laughs> remembering that there's i mean i'm going to put some labels on multiple perspectives right that there's there's a what we could call it a soul perspective you know that is much bigger than the personality's perspective but maybe to some extent still a little bit personal and then there's another perspective even beyond that which we could call a universal perspective which is not at all personal um, and remembering And becoming, reminding the mind in particular of the multiple perspectives really helps to loosen up attachments, that kind of, you know, that we are sense-making machines as we are sense-making being, creatures as humans. And um, we tell ourselves stories about everything. (laughs) Um, And our stories are more powerful than we realise most of the time. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's particularly fun for me as a practitioner of particularly the NPA work, the compassion work blends with it, is that I I get to just listen to people as they talk to me and notice where in their language and their expression, which includes gestures and sometimes, like, non-language sounds... Um, where, where there's an indication that something is uh, flowing or not, yeah, where, where there's an indication that something is stuck or that it has a has an energetic charge to it that um, can have an effect then if that's released.
0: Yeah. I, again, I, I, my mind went a few different directions, um, on the, particularly on the non-personal awareness work. One is that that's one of the things I love about astrology is that by understanding that we're talking about energetic patterns, right? We can take what seems personal and understand that it's not personal, Right? it's it's similar and yeah. Yeah, i mean yes i'm built a certain way and i feel certain things but it's also these universal energy patterns that we all feel to some degree they just happen to hit me a certain way and it's it's a release from having to hold on to it in a way
1: yeah i mean i you know we've been friends for a while now and i have particularly appreciated being able to have conversations with you in the last couple of years so that you could remind me of the totally not personal often kind of grand cycles that we are living through yeah because again it gives me another perspective on stuff that can seem really personal because it's having an effect on me in this moment therefore I personalize it right right yeah we feel the temptation it is to make it all about me like because uh, when when emotions are strong you know then it's hard to it's hard to step out of the personal perspective
0: yeah <laughs> well and we feel these things you know that's that's the grand lie right that we're we've been unpacking for years now is that this stuff that we're feeling isn't real. Well, of course it's real because we feel energy. We're the most sensitive creatures and beings and instruments. So we feel it. And when we can have a little bit of understanding of the meaning and the timing and the flow, then it's not quite so scary when I can't figure out why I can't sit still or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, and you know, often it's just as simple as giving the mind a different story to tell itself, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the other thing this makes
0: me think about too, um, you and I both went through Kasia Urbaniak's Power with Money course. And to me, one of the very dramatic um, things that I learned, which I might have known intellectually, but I got at a different level when they taught it is that we live in a culture, again, that um, takes sort of our collective um, programming, collective stress and our collective trauma, and then reinforces our our tendency to see it as my personal stuff. And that that is a form of oppression. That's just, that's like a layer of oppression. And I think that's something that you've done so beautifully in the work I've done with you is it's like all of a sudden I realize, oh, that's, that's not mine. That's part of the matrix or the program or the conditioning or whatever we want to say.
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of encouragement for us to personalize things. (laughs) I mean, I would I would assert that capitalism largely runs on personalization because that's what advertising's all about, right? That's what is, advertising's all about the way here here it works. Here yeah. is this implied benefit. Oh, well, oh, that could be mine.
0: <laughs> and it's because there's something that I don't have, or I'm missing, or something that's wrong with mm-hmm. me. Then this will fix it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and. I also want to say that there's all kinds of encouragement in some of the New Age teachings, you know, which emphasise some things that I think at best are partial truths, let's call them that, be generous. So like, you know, the idea that you are solely responsible for creating the whole of your reality. Therefore, if you're not getting what you want in your life, it's because you're you've, you're doing something wrong or you're not doing something right. Yeah. There's
0: something wrong with you that needs to be healed and fixed and given to God or whatever, however, whatever language. We we talked about that actually in the last um, Cosmic Wisdom with Emily too that came up.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot that's useful in some of the classical um, law of attraction style teachings. And there's also a lot that's profoundly unhelpful, I believe, because... Well, and and then there's that kind of classic new age thing about if somebody else does something that is not okay with you, that's just your shit. Because <laughs> heaven forbid that we should have a fucking boundary. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. Exactly, yeah. And I, I remember, you know, part of this conversation came up. Again, a lot of it has to do with intention, right? If your intention is to control and and uh, your control mechanism isn't working and you're not getting what you want, then it feels like a a blame and I'm not doing it right. Whereas if your intention is this flow and co-creation and cooperation, then Mm -hmm. it's a completely different experience, right? If you're not getting what you quote unquote want, it's just another moment to start to reevaluate. Well, what is it that I really want? And, you know, how can, can, how can I cooperate with the
1: way things are right now? And you touched on it last time when you talked to Emily, right? There, there's a, like, where your desire is coming from and why you desire something is so important. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that was something we got from Kasha
0: too, right? Yeah. You don't have control over what you desire. You can be honest about it or not honest about it, but it's that's also something you don't control.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, there's a difference. I mean, for example, there's a difference between wanting something because you're scared of what happens if you don't have it. Yes and and that you know that much deeper desire that comes from a place that's where it's not all kind of muddied up with fear of not getting it, where it's where it's just this recognition of oh that that is actually what I would like that is what I would like to experience either right now or next year or at some point yeah um, yeah. But- <laughs> My, my my personal experience is that I had to do a lot of work before I could get to the point where I felt like I was having, you know, a clean desire for something. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, most of this is lifelong work. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But it makes yeah. me, so it makes me think about, um, well, it makes me think about, fear versus love you know what what the the what i've come to i mean you know this isn't anything brilliant right but what i've come to in terms of my how i operate is try to ask myself over and over if i uh, am i doing this out of fear or am i doing this out of love because desire is love right desire is fuel there's nothing in the world without desire and it comes from what we love and it comes from, you can think of desire as actually an outward flow of love.
1: Yeah. And and, and, I would, I would, I would say it's one of those flavors. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And I think you know, right now, it's so I think if nothing else, these last couple years, it should be so very clear to us how much of the world and the decisions um, are being made out of fear. Right. Mm -hmm. And we see where that's getting us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I know you and I kind of wanted to get to. And I guess, you know, if if we're going to get to a little bit of actual healing work, I I think about for me, I'm going to just tell one story. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversation about money. What is it? Um, why do we struggle so much with it? You know, as a culture, certainly as women, as spiritual people, there's, you know, lots and lots of layers to this. and. for me, it was always this fear of, of not having enough to survive and not being able to make it on my own, et cetera, et cetera. So once I left the corporate world with the big you know, six-figure salary and started trying to do it on my own. And I, I, I remember a very specific session that you and I had together right in the midst of all of this, starting to figure it out. We were we were learning some of Kasha Urbaniak's stuff we were learning um, some of our own personal history and you know when we were torn away from the land in our own indigenous roots, um, which is so long ago that most of us have forgotten about it. Um, those of us with white skin northern European roots at least. Um, but I remember this one particular instance where I think it was compassion keys work. It might've been a combination where I literally saw the energetic architecture of the fear matrix, and then it wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, I don't get, I'm not a visual person. I don't typically get visuals, but it was a visual and, you know, I could see the the unreality of that fear matrix and it changed everything. It changed everything in terms of how I thought I needed to run my business, um, what, what marketing gurus I did or did not need to <laughs> listen to and hire and give money to. And, you know, and, and it really showed me how much of... Um, even the people in, as you point out, even in the new age community or the new way of doing business or the spiritual business and all of that, so much of it is still coming and part of and contributing to that fear matrix.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, people will spend a lot of money when they're scared. I mean, sometimes people lock up and spend nothing at all, you know, if you go really into survival fear, but um, but yeah fear can be a powerful motivator, so it can get it can get used. <laughs> I mean, just think about how scarcity gets used in, yes. in the marketing. <laughs> yeah, scarcity, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So where are you at with that stuff about the fear matrix today? Like in my own life? Yeah.
0: Um, it's this constant reminder. But it's much, 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 much different. And now um, the other story that I've told, I think on the podcast in a couple of different places is that one of the ahas this summer had to do do with letting go of struggle. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of Capricorn planets in my chart, which tends to be that sort of hardworking, striving energy. And there's that's the more, um, distorted side of it, at least. And it's very hard. And I don't think it's, I don't think I'm alone in this. It's really easy for me to make things hard. Right. And it's part of it is that built in anxiety of waking up in the morning. And there's this sense of dread or some sense of something's wrong instead of the jumping up and realizing, Hey, it's a new day. It's, uh, you know, I'm here, I'm healthy, I'm happy, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But in, you know, other than that daily kind of check-in and catching myself when I'm making things hard, um, I would say that that, it was revolutionary to just see that fear is a matrix. And of course this last year and a half, um, if, or two years really by now, once you kind of have that idea in your mind that the fear is a program, you can actually see it being laid down on a daily basis, right? If you can have a little bit of distance from the media sources, whatever they are, I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe about the situation, just about everybody is laying down some fear programming. But if you can see it from that perspective, um, it's really, you know, it's saved me. It's saved me this last couple
1: of years. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I know we've talked in the last couple of years about how one of my hobbies is actually reading the mainstream news headlines uh, every day um, and looking for trigger words and trigger phrases. Cause I because I really want to I want to track the the manipulation of the collective consciousness like i i want to know <laughs> my desire to know my desire to see patterns right so uh i i i want to i want to monitor what's going on i want i want to see how the messages are shifting subtly over time um yes and not so subtly some days some days not subtly at all yeah yeah there's um yeah where are we January 2022 and yeah we seem to have entered a particularly hilarious stage (laughs) (laughs) it's it's true
0: (laughs) yeah and you know speaking of what's going on out there these days and this whole fear matrix is that you know the the you've mentioned it you and I have talked about it there's this new term, or maybe it's not new, but it's newly used term, this mass formation psychosis term. And to me, um, like I say, it's it's kind of a newly used term, but I wonder if that's just not a great way to name this fear matrix that this isn't new. It's not new. I mean, All the things that we've been talking about, um, advertising, um, money. uh, I mean, health obviously is a part of it now, but this this constant fear mongering that we've got, not that there's not things to be afraid of. I'm not trying to minimize what's happening. However, Mm -hmm. there's still, and I'm not going to say that it's concerted effort. It's just, that's how we're built at the moment. Um, in our culture is to come at things from a place of fear and scarcity and lack
1: yeah i mean it it seems to me that we're seeing the modern version of it right now and um but but this i mean you and i are both fans of charles eisenstein you know he he writes and speaks very very eloquently about you know the fundamental story of separation right which is a fear-based story Mm -hmm. that we have been living with on this planet for thousands of years that has been the dominant narrative in all you know almost all cultures for many cultures at least for thousands of years um and i mean you know just to kind of follow this thread of of about, about multiple perspectives, right? If we just pull back a, a bit, we live in a binary universe where well, uh, um, like a, a positive and negative poles, right? Contrasts. <laughs> um, heart, yes. Yeah. And so so this ebb and flow, between states of fear, states that are more oriented towards fear and driven by fear and states that are more oriented towards love and driven by love, I suspect, is a universal theme. <laughs> um, and, it you know, it gets played out here on planet Earth by humans in some very specific ways. And, again, it gets amplified by technology you know because for for me one of the I'm I'm so delighted that this mass formation um, psychosis has has entered the you know um that people are talking about it now that we are talking about it yeah because because all of the, Matthias Desmet talks about the preconditions for totalitarianism, right? And there are four of them. They're social isolation, lack of meaning and and purpose, free-floating anxiety, and frustration and aggression that can then be easily channeled towards something, yeah? I mean, just think about how social media amplifies all four of those conditions. Right, right. Right? Now... You know, I have an opinion about whether that's by design that I can't prove. (laughs) But let's just say Zuckerberg's making a lot of money from technology and not just him, to be fair, but there are people making an extraordinary amount of money from technology that seems perfectly designed to to play to those four preconditions as well as you know reinforce and encourage certain you know other behaviors right right yeah so <clears throat> so since
0: we have you let's do some work around this let's yeah. do a little bit of work I, I mean we can pick a topic or you can figure out how to pick a topic and I'll be the guinea pig
1: um well I don't I don't want to pick something because I just you know I just work with whatever's here right so it doesn't work if I try and figure it out so why don't you if why don't you be the guinea pig and just tell me what you're experiencing that you would like to allow to pass
0: that's putting me on the spot I have to (laughs)
1: Um,
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, there will always be the fear. It'll be the daily working with the fear that um, I have enough today, I won't have enough tomorrow.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm not going to say I'll always have that, but at least at the moment, you know, for the most part, I would say that I'm um, really working into this cooperation and letting go of that struggle and worrying about tomorrow. but and yeah so let's just go with that and okay and i think just continuing to see that fear is um it's like a contractive energy right fear is a contractive energy love is an expansive energy and wanting to, you know, and I guess I would say I would want to go from that flowing expansive energy and not get caught in the contractive energy.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's start with that sort of the, the more contracted state. Yeah. And let's let's use as the label for the fear. Let's call it not having enough. Yeah. So let's do some sentence completion. And can you
0: do you want to explain a little bit about what you're going to do first, or do you want to just do it? What's what do you think
1: is going to be best for people listening to this? So I'm going to take Christine through um a little inquiry into a little inquiry about the fear and and the stories that it that that exist around the fear whether Christine is currently aware of those stories or not this is a way of essentially kind of digging into those stories yeah okay so we'll do some sentence completion I'll say the first part of the statement and you finish it with whatever the first thought is first thought best thought even if it seems to make no sense okay yeah (laughs) okay so the scariest thing about not having enough is I can't do what I want. Mhm. The scariest thing about not having enough is I can't do what I want because that would lead to
0: not living my life. Mhm. Not fully living. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. So the scariest thing about not having enough is I can't do what I want because that would lead to not fully living and that would mean that I am. Uh,
0: There was a word. It's like a feeling I want to describe of being Um, contained or restricted
1: Mm -hmm. okay so I'm going to go with contained and do the hand movement with it yes (laughs) for people who are listening to the podcast recording sorry you can't see the hand movement but uh, but there was a hand movement with it that I want to include as well all right so so let's run this through the non-personal awareness frame yeah so repeat after me this contained, this contained, this energy of
0: contained, this energy of contained, this
1: pure energy of contained, this pure energy of contained, contained is not personal, is not personal. This pure energy of contained, this
0: pure energy of contained, is
1: not personal
0: is not personal
1: this pure energy of contained
0: this pure energy of contained
1: is not personal
0: is not personal
1: and i am willing to experience
0: it and i am willing to experience it part of me gets to that point says do i have to (laughs) But it is, just to say a couple words about that experience is that it, um, it really does shift, sort of shifts my relationship with you, if you will, with that experience of being contained. Mm-hmm. I don't know another way to put it that, but maybe people will can get that from listening to this.
1: So one of the components of the law of attraction kind of style of teachings that I've personally find to be pretty true is that what we resist has a tendency to persist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that last line in the frame is all about um, acknowledging that actually you are already experiencing it, like it's here. So if we can just allow that, we don't have to, it doesn't mean that we're accepting it or saying that, that uh, we want it to continue, but if we can just acknowledge and allow it, then it can move and leave.
0: Keep flowing. It can keep flowing. Yeah, there's a softening. I, and I always feel that whenever we do this work, I always feel that softening. Around that energy. It's, you know, thinking going back to this whole thing about fear and the fear matrix. That for the longest time when I would go into fear about money, whether it was because of a bank account, you know, looking at my bank account and or whatever it was, I could feel myself sort of energetically wanting to turn my back on it. Yeah. Right. You know, and and of course, any of us that has tried to run away from our fears knows that it doesn't work. Just chases you, right? <laughs> it, it, absolutely, it chases you, and that doesn't happen anymore. It's a very and it's
1: very different. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's flip that one around, okay. and in relation to contained. What would you like to allow to come?
0: Um, well, expansion is the word that mm-hmm. that comes to me. Is that that free flowing expansion?
1: Get
0: really big there. Free flowing expansion.
1: Okay. All right. So. This free flowing expansion,
0: this free flowing expansion,
1: this energy of free flowing expansion,
0: this energy of free flowing expansion,
1: this pure energy of free flowing expansion, this pure energy of
0: free flowing
1: expansion is not personal,
0: is not personal.
1: This pure energy of free flowing expansion.
0: This pure energy of free flowing
1: expansion. Is not personal. Is not personal. This pure energy of free flowing expansion.
0: This pure energy of free flowing expansion.
1: Is not personal.
0: Is not personal.
1: And I am willing to experience it.
0: And I am willing to experience it.
1: That one feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, uh, one of the things that I love about the NPA tool is that you can, we, we can use it, you know, to allow things to pass and allow things to come. And it's, um, you know, so personal development work can just get so serious, you know, and you can end up just spending years kind of trawling through the mark and just this kind of relentless, like I have to feel it all. And there's certainly some value in doing that. Yes. At certain times, that is the appropriate kind of therapeutic approach <laughs> to really reckon with a story, you know, for a while. Um, but in my own life and with clients at the moment, I am really seriously investigating the therapeutic power of spending at least as much time focused on what we want and, <laughs> um, as we, as we do focused on what used to be that we don't want anymore. I have seen that, that uh,
0: I have, uh, my experience is that that has been a trap with a lot of healing modalities in the past, that there's so much energy and focus on releasing what, you know, the pain or releasing the trauma. And as you say, there's value to it, but, There's also that calling in. Yeah, the calling in. Yeah.
1: And so, so I mean, of course, when you're working with trauma, you know, focusing on healing what happened in the past always carries some risk of re traumatizing yourself or the person that you're working with, right? Because reliving a traumatic experience is tricky Mm -hmm. like that you know you can do damage easily um as i said sometimes it's absolutely appropriate and useful to reckon with a story um but yeah the It's all, you know, you and Emily were talking a lot about not male and female, but masculine and energy and feminine energies and approaches to things. And you were talking about the power of magnetism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just a really interesting line of inquiry to, to, you know, what, what, what power could magnetism have in a therapeutic context? Yeah. Like, you know, helping people to actually get more clear on what they would like to allow to come, what they truly desire. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To quote one of my favourite TV philosophers, Lucifer Morningstar. And, yeah, and then help them and give people tools that can help to call that in. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah well it's the it's the feminine way of doing and receiving versus the masculine and again not male female and not making one better or worse than the other but they've been out of balance for a long time yeah and so that's one of the ways to bring it back into balance is to recognize that there's two ways yeah and honor them both yeah. Yeah. You know, I, one of the reasons this is timely um, is that, and, and you've mentioned story quite a bit, we've had a lot, astrologically, we've had this theme for the last year and a half of um, a curiosity versus ideology. And um, this, this need, although we haven't all gone into this need this need to be able to hold multiple points of view and yet there's been so much um rigidity and certainty and 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 dogma and i think that's starting to break up a little bit now and i think astrologically that's starting to break up but we're going to shift now from this kind of fluid situation where um where we we're asked to be curious about stories and not get locked into certainty and sort of allow ourselves to have um, a little bit more open-mindedness. And now we're going to shift into a potentially more um, stuckness, if you will, because the as the nodes shift, they're gonna shift into fixed signs, but also um, another situation where paying attention to our bodies and our physical experience and not getting caught up in the, the rabbit holes of emotion and not getting caught up in the um, even the conspiracy theories and things like that, but to trust our actual lived experience. Like that's, that's part of what's coming up in terms of um, how to work with this next year and a half. And um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for sort of working through some of the traumas that have been triggered and created in the last couple of years it has been a fairly traumatizing time for most of us
1: i think you and i were, and another friend um (laughs) who's here we're talking just a couple of days ago about you know, we thought 2020 was intense and really kind of, well, I thought 2019 was intense and really kind of brought up some old stuff for me to deal with, right? And then there was 2020, which was even more intense. And then there was 2021, which was next level again. And now I'm looking at 2022 and just going, yeah, this is the year that like we're really going to get cleaned up by anywhere where we haven't been doing our homework. (laughs) Like (laughs) All that stuff all that stuff that you've been trying to run from, like, you know, if you're still doing that, like it's going to gather momentum this year. And, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to just keep getting harder and harder to keep running.
0: Yeah. 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 And, you know, I mean, my, my work in this podcast is so much about trusting this physical body you know and and learning how to really connect into this physical body because this is this is where it's at as a human being. Um, yeah, this is the year. You know, this is the thing. Well,
1: yeah, and I mean, just to to you know, circle back to some of the themes that we've touched on. Our entire culture, our education systems, our system of commerce. You know, capitalism. Um, our organized religions including the new age I mean they're almost entirely geared towards again whether intentional or not entirely geared towards pulling us away from our natural wisdom put a natural wisdom and our personal natural wisdom yeah as it is as it is expressed by and in our bodies and our relationships with nature. Right. Um, so, you know, I think we should give ourselves a break about how hard it can be <laughs> to, to get reconnected and then stay reconnected to that. Um, and remember that, you know, we, we, we're, still, we're still swimming upstream in terms of the cultural momentum, Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And and, and it is not yet the majority of us who are swimming upstream. Um, So, (laughs) you know, having trust and I I like the word faith, you know, that not in its kind of traditional religious context, but having trust and faith that upstream is, is the right direction and having a, a sense of purpose about it and a vision about what could be possible if we can, you know, swim far enough. Let's see how far I can torture this metaphor. Um, <laughs> and um, and having a sense of connection and community, right? The, I mean, in terms of the four preconditions for totalitarianism, those are some of the antidotes that that, we want to be concerning ourselves with and taking action to, to build and and reinforce in ourselves and in the world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And connection and community with each other as well as with all the, well, everything around us, you know, I mean, the table, the chair, the computer, the trees, the grass, it's all, It's all conscious. It's all part of our community. And if we honor it that way, then we don't feel as alone either.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: So what else is there anything else you want to leave us with today or any other work that we want to do? Can people do this on their own? The non-personal awareness, for instance?
1: Yeah, it's, you can um it is a little harder to do it on your own because it's harder to listen to yourself than it is to listen to somebody else um but there is on the home page of or the front page of my website there, there's an, a little exercise that I've put together for people that are I'm currently calling the emergency protocol but um so it does work if you're kind of in an emergency and <laughs> you need to change your state, but it, fundamentally it's a state change exercise, yeah, from something that you would rather not be experiencing to a better state and then another step to a better state again, yeah. So rather than trying to jump from, he, from here all the way to the third step, there's a step in the middle. So that's, you know, I, I, I talk you through that one. It's a lot easier to do it with yourself if somebody's talking you through it. So there's recordings and stuff. Um it did so, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. It was really yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. So and I, you know, I my intention is to do some more of those this year. Um, but that one's up there already and it's it's free. So I would I would recommend that that goes into your toolkit for you know, those days or those times when um, when life gets a bit intense and it's, you find your perspective kind of narrowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, really useful to, um, you know, to just open back up again and um, widen the field, broaden the field of what's possible.
0: Yeah, well, I would encourage people to go try it because I think this is such a good year for us to consciously shift away from doing things through fear. Hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's tempting to say we, we no longer have a choice. Of course we do. We always have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have certain ideas about what kind of life you'd like to live and how you would like to live that life, then then it's even more tempting to say we no longer have a choice. (laughs) Reflowing expansion. Yeah.
0: Uh, Is there anything else you want to say before we
1: finish? uh no just thanks for thank you for this it was fun and yeah let's a lot of ground yeah let's I mean you know if you're up for it let's keep doing this and and kind of tracking the big astro themes as they unfold and you know we can uh maybe next time now that people have a little bit of an understanding of you know what it is that we can do um, we could open it up to other people who might want to come live and get some quick facilitation uh, yeah. for themselves as well
0: well and mm-hmm. people can send comments as well cuz we can do do some work based on what they tell us too right what they send absolutely us. yeah 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 great
1: yeah and you know the way that groups work is that um, what what shows up as themes in the group are often common for most, if not all, of the participants. So it's a really fun way to just kind of identify the loose threads on the on the fear matrix and kind of tug at them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm not the only one that has that. That there won't be enough tomorrow thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody that's here live before we stop the recording, does anybody want to jump in with questions for Belinda or comments? Okay. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. And thank you so much. Belinda, we'll see you again thank soon. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Christine and everyone. See you soon.